Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Mental Moms podcast. I'm Kat, and I'm here with Dee and Rhiannon. Hey, y'all. And today we have a very special guest, my very own beautiful cousin, Delilah, or Dee. And we want to include her in this episode because she can relate to some of the topics that we're going to be talking about today. And she's a mom and she's a woman. More perspectives, the better. Dee, do you want to tell us how many kids you have and what are some of the things that you struggle with mentally? I have two kids. I am 30, so I'm a little bit older than y'all. And I'm comfortable sharing some things. I have anxiety and I struggle with panic attacks and I have really bad ADD. So sometimes I might get off topic. You're just going to have to bring me back. Okay. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, cousin, for coming on to this week's episode and honoring us with your opinions and your life. Rhiannon, you want to get us started on the topic of today or one of the topics? Okay, y'all. So last week we talked about the Roe versus Wade and abortion. And in our talk, we also talked about birth control methods and how hard it is to have access to affordable health care, especially if you don't have insurance. And whenever me and Kat were going over the podcast last week before we published it, we realized that we didn't cover about how hard it is for a woman to get their tube side, how hard it is to get a doctor's approval to get the procedure done. Most doctors want a woman to have kids already. They want us to be married. They want us to be a certain age, have our spouse's permission, and we should be able to make that decision about our own bodies. Anyways, the more I read about it, the more frustrated I got. So here's a story I found real quick from Vice by Jay Levine. So she was 19 and a newlywed. The doctor said no, that she would never perform a surgery on a teen. And that Jay would need to have kids and be at least 25 years old. So she went back at 26 and a different doctor said no because her husband was in the military. And the doctor said, what if he died and you remarried and your new husband wanted a child? So Jay walked out and at 32, went back again. And another doctor said that'd be a good idea, but only because of Jay's mental illness. And it wouldn't be a good idea because of her mental illness and quote unquote, she shouldn't have kids anyways. So she has yet to find a doctor that will perform a surgery without bringing up her mental illness or one that doesn't tell her that she's too young. And I think that has a lot to say about like, doctors and how they don't trust us they think that so they don't trust us and they don't trust women to make decisions for ourselves which is this is our body and we should be able to make that decision if we don't want children we shouldn't need to go through hoops and to get this procedure done it's our body so Kat how do you feel about that I think it's absolutely ridiculous and it pretty much speaks to the literal thing that we're dealing with right now is taking our rights away as far as deciding if we will continue a pregnancy and bring a child into the world. They're literally trying to control our ability to even prevent 
conception. They think that we're not capable of making decisions for ourselves. They think that we're not capable of knowing what's best for ourselves. And it's just like we're looked at as less because we're a woman. We don't know what's best for us. We need a man's guidance. We need a a doctor to say, what does your husband think? What if your future husband wants kids? Like, so what if he does and he needs to go knock up the next broad? What does that have to do with me and my decision? So y'all know how I feel about people trying to tell women what to do with their bodies. And it's enraging. It's insulting because nobody knows what I need better than me. And I don't think that a doctor should even have the ability to say, no, you're too young. That sounds prejudice. We're not allowed to We're not allowed to be prejudiced based off of age and gender, races and religions. So why is it okay for a doctor to tell someone you're too young or you need the approval of your husband or even a future husband that you probably will never have? I just think it's dumb and it's annoying. And that's another, just another million thing that needs to be changed. It's annoying. D, do you want to tell us how you feel about not being able to pretty much go up to a doctor and say, I want to get my tubes tied because I don't want to have any kids. And tell us, I know, tell us about your experience because you have some experience with this topic as well. I had my son at 21. And I wanted my doctor to tie my tubes. And he told me I was not 25 yet and that I had to wait or have another child. And I did not want another child, obviously. Many years later, I ended up having another child forced with a decision that you guys talked about last episode that I don't really want to get into. But obviously she's here now, so I made a decision. Then my doctor was willing to tie my tubes, but me. But the insurance was like, no, you're going to get your tubes tied first. So I got my tubes tied, and three months later, I was able to have my hysterectomy. But the first time I tried to have my hysterectomy, they made me wait so long, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, which they believed would be medically impossible. And I carried her to full term. I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. I actually went to my pre-op for my hysterectomy. And my doctor was like, hey, I got good news and I got bad news. And I'm like, okay, what's the bad news? He said, we can't do the hysterectomy. And I said, okay, what's the good news? He said, you're pregnant. I was like, no, the hell I'm not. (laughs) I was like, I am not leaving this office until I see an ultrasound because I believe my urine was switched with somebody else's. Sure enough, he did an ultrasound and I saw a heartbeat. And I said, so will you still perform the hysterectomy? And he said, no, if you get an abortion within X amount of weeks, then I will do it. And obviously she's here. That's insane. And that story really sits with me. And it just like, it's just another factor. Like, obviously we all have the choice 
to have sex and get pregnant. But the fact is you didn't want any more kids, right? And you tried multiple times to get your tubes tied, to get a hysterectomy. And because doctors held you back from that decision, then came your beautiful blessing, which we love her to death. But it still doesn't take away the fact that your choice as a woman was denied and held back from you, which I think it's horrible. And one thing I did forget to mention when I was telling you guys how I felt about this is my, he was either, I don't remember if he was 24 or he was 25, boyfriend, 25-year-old boyfriend. I think maybe he was even 24, to be honest with you guys. He was able to walk into a doctor's office and tell them, I'm 24. I have one son. I don't want any more kids. They asked him, are you sure? He said, yes. They did the procedure with no problem. They didn't press him. They didn't pressure him. They didn't tell him, no, we have to ask your wife about that. Or what if your next wife wants more kids? What if you want more kids later on? They trusted his choice and his opinion about what he wanted for his life and didn't give it a second thought. He had no problem cutting those balls. So Rhiannon, tell us how you feel about this. Because I know we didn't hear from you yet. I'm 27. And I feel like I really want to get my tube side because I have two kids and I'm just done. I don't think I really want to share my love with any other kids right now besides the two that I have and any stepkids I have in the future. But I just feel like that's that'd be a lot of kids to raise on my own. And I feel like the only way I'd be able to get my tube side is if I brought up my mental health. Which is insane that that's the only way that I'd be able to be like, hey, I'm 27. But by the way, I'm a little bit crazy and I shouldn't be giving birth to any more kids. Like, it's really hard for people with bipolar, the postpartum depression and being off your meds. Like, it's a lot. So I wouldn't want to do that during my pregnancy and I wouldn't want to do that postpartum things. I just really want to get my tubes tied on. It's just annoying that I've had to give them a reason why. And I can just go in and be like, hey, I'm done. Tie my tubes. That's something I want to do. Yeah, you almost have to prove, hey, I'm crazy. I don't need any more kids. You got to give them a big enough reason to let them trust you to make a decision for yourself. But even then, do they really trust me? The only reason they're gonna give me my tube side is if I tell them that I'm crazy so therefore we don't trust you because you're crazy therefore we can tie your tubes so I just mentioned about how like I wouldn't want to do the pregnancy thing again because of how hard a pregnancy would be on me mentally because if you have a mental illness oftentimes you have to get off your medication because those those medications aren't healthy for you when you're pregnant. And I wouldn't even want to, like, with all the hormones and my head just not being healthy, I wouldn't even want to experience that. I don't even want to imagine what that would be like. We just want to talk about our pregnancies and how the mental illness can affect it and vice versa. Sorry, I'm trying not to get emotional. I actually experienced everything you just talked about with my daughter. 
and it just I don't know I'm trying not to tear up here because it is not something I would being stable and then being unstable and pregnant while already having a child was probably one of the hardest things I've had to deal with in my life so thank you for sharing it's one of the hardest things you've dealt with I personally know from this end that was the scariest time that and postpartum being in your life. So I want to just ask you, what are some of the specific things that you struggled during that pregnancy with that came from your mental illness and was a result from you not having the medication you needed? What was that? What was the things that you were dealing with specifically? Initially, because I found out I was pregnant at eight weeks, I initially wanted to get the abortion pill because I had just became stable on my meds and I did not want to get off of them and then have to go and start back over again because as you get older and over time and with hormones and pregnancy it changes your mental state so before does not work the same after I didn't get the abortion and I had to be weaned off of my meds because the type of medications I was on, you could go to through severe withdrawals. And because I was pregnant, like the baby could have issues. So I was weaned off and then they put me on an antidepressant and I was on Zoloft for my entire pregnancy but it did not help with my other issues. I actually cried my entire pregnancy, but it wasn't like crying, oh, I want a donut and there's no donuts. It was like somebody in my family died. Like it was like, I wanted to die. Like it was really bad. It was just hard to wrap my head around the fact that I was bringing another child into this world knowing that mentally, like, I wasn't fully there. And her father was sick, so I knew that the responsibility would mostly fall on me. Do you want to talk about that, about her father a little bit? Not too many details, but when you say you mean? Her father has end-stage kidney failure. And so he does dialysis three times a week and he works full time. And the dialysis he does is for five hours every other day, three times a week, whatever. So he's in her life, but he's not like in her life because he's either at work or at dialysis and dialysis makes him very tired. So when he does come over, he's asleep the entire time. So I'm still in mommy mode. Thank you for sharing that, Dee. You're welcome. All right, Rhiannon, illness. And did it make it worse, make it different? Did anything new pop up? And for either of your pregnancies, were you diagnosed and taking any medication? If you were, did you have to get off of it? And how did that affect you? No, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar until about two years ago. My kids were already both born. My son was six and my daughter was three. So they're really little. But I'm pretty sure I was 
sick before then. But my pregnancies were mostly like depressed because of the situation with my kid's dad. I wasn't with him both times I was pregnant and he was mean to me both times I was pregnant. And so I was mostly depressed about that kind of stuff, but I wasn't medicated or I wasn't diagnosed with anything. Most of it was just like a lot of depression and guilt mostly, but I didn't struggle the way that Dee did. And I'm so sorry that you dealt with that. That seems like really tough and I'm really sorry. But yeah, mine was just depression because of my shitty baby daddy. I want to ask you, so when you got pregnant, did you notice, like other than like the problems you had with their dad, did you notice anything different about your emotions or you the way you dealt with things? Did you feel they were out of character or different for you? I think because of my situation with my baby daddy, I remember getting a lot more angry and a lot more, a lot of anger was going on, but an excessive amount of anger because my hormones were like way up and I'm sure I have bipolar, I probably had bipolar BPD forever. So I'm sure that didn't help when I was just like, there's anger and then there's that type of anger and that type of bitterness. So I remember like stalking him, not like physically stalking him, but like social media stalking him and like blowing up his phone because I was upset with him because he didn't do something and there was like a lot of drama and there's a lot of anger a lot of sadness too I felt with just not feeling like I had my family together like I had wished but I don't think it was like so bad I don't think I was like I don't think with my daughter there was a lot more like I said guilt and sadness just because of the situation and with that one, he told me to get an abortion. And so I was like really upset about that, just like feeling unwanted and stuff. But I don't think, I don't think a lot of that had a reaction to it, had to do with my mental illness. But like, I had, I feel like I had a right to be upset. Like I wasn't upset for nothing. There was a reaction to me being upset to the situation that made it more than what it was. I'm sorry you dealt with that, but the same thing I dealt with as well. I had the money and had the appointment set for my abortion. And I even asked Kat for some money for that abortion. Like I had the appointment set and the day of the appointment, I was just like, crying and I was like I can't do this anymore I can't I I have to keep her like she's my miracle and he was upset and my whole pregnancy like we was beefing like he he was sleeping on the sofa we was not talking because we lived together and then when she was born it was a whole different story it's her dad that's her daddy yeah, it's really hard dealing with baby baby dad drama when you're pregnant and not feeling well. It's just, it's a lot more like, the feelings are a lot more like stronger and you're a lot more sad and a lot more upset and angry. So it's just, it's a difficult situation. Yeah, I feel like pregnancy in general is really hard 
and the one person that's supposed to be going through it with you and the one that's supposed to be supporting you the most when they don't do that I feel like it's I don't know I feel like it's been like stabbed in the back so that's the only way I can explain that it's horrible it's a trigger that's where it is trigger for insanity (laughs) okay cat so how did pregnancy affect your mental illness and how did you feel did it make it worse did it make it better what happened I see you smiling, D, because you know I was crazy as hell. <laughs> oh, Lord. I will say pregnancy for me, it was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm very unwell. Like, I never was aware of myself. And I was suddenly doing things that was like, Whoa. Yeah. Pregnancy for me was, I would say, probably the worst time in my life. And I look back at it and I wish that I was well because that was my only pregnancy. And it was the biggest miracle I've ever received, but I was very unwell. I was very depressed. I was very high strung. I was easily triggered. I was also in a very narcissistic, dismissive relationship. And it was with someone who just didn't care, just didn't care about me, wanted me to get an abortion immediately, told me from the beginning, since you didn't get an abortion, it's your responsibility. It was horrible. It was horrible. I went through so many different things like... I just didn't recognize myself. I look back at my pregnancy and it makes me cringe. I look at that person as I don't know who that person is. I don't know who that person was. I went to so many different lengths and my mind would switch so much as, so I told you the story how I drove to Georgia, had a mental breakdown, literally crying at a gas station. And then I drove back to Florida. And then not long after that, I begged a family member to buy me a ticket to Virginia to go live with my aunt and my cousin, who we're speaking with. And the entire time I was there, I was bawling my eyes out, changing my mind, crying, wanting to go back to Florida. And I just, I was really losing it. And I I harmed a lot of my relationships with my family because of that. I was doing so many things that just, they were never intentional to hurt anybody. But I was so emotionally distraught and confused. And I was, I don't know if the word manic would be it, but I was so, so badly struggling. Like I would cry, I would cry, cry and cry. And I would just think to myself, if I just make it work with this person who I'm having a baby with, everything else will be okay. And it was just a very horrible thing to think and do because. This is someone who wanted nothing to do with me anymore, wanted nothing to do with the child and went extensive lengths to prove that to me. And I didn't get it. I was, I don't even know what the word is. Just, I was confused. I was mentally sick. The worst time of my life. And that is such a traumatic event that I literally would never, ever carry another child, even though I love being a mom. I just, my mental health, and I know what pregnancy turned me into. There was this time, and I, you don't know about my intense paranoia of being murdered. 
So I'd already, I'm pregnant. I'd already been with my ex for six months. I know for a damn fact he's not a murderer, right? And he's an asshole, but not a murderer. And we drove an hour away. We were not together, but we drove like an hour away to go get this like remote control car he said he was going to buy for his like nephew or something. So I ended up hiding a knife under my passenger seat because I was so paranoid that this dude was going to murder me because he was like bitter that I got pregnant and he didn't want to, he wanted to break up with me. So what if he like kills me to try to get rid of the baby in me? Like that's how freaking paranoid I was because I was like batshit crazy. I didn't even think about that. I don't know why I didn't think about that. That's one of the like biggest things I was like really paranoid about or like during my pregnancy I didn't want him at the hospital because I was scared he's gonna like purposely drop the baby or purposely like kidnap the baby or like other stuff I was just so paranoid about a bunch of things that I thought he would do just to get back at me and use my kid against me so yeah paranoia is in mental illness that's a big one that is something I struggle with to this day, not even just from pregnancy. I am the most paranoid person, and that should be a mental illness ca- category diagnosis on its freaking own. That's a part of, like, other diagnosis. Like, for me, that's one of the biggest things I got that got me diagnosed was, like, my intense paranoia. And I used to talk to my psychiatrist. I'm like, what if I got on medication? And then that's when I get murdered because I'm not paranoid anymore. Like, that's not how that works. I'm still very aware that, like, I'm on medication and I'm medicated. But I'm still very aware that murderers are out there and they exist. And I thought my boyfriend was going to be a murderer. He's not. But I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> but a good three months. Okay. So I want to get into... I want to ask Rhiannon and Delilah, what are the effects of basically, you guys have two children, I only have one. So Dee, I want to start with you. What are the effects on the first child from having the second one, like during pregnancy and afterwards? What do those struggles look like for you guys and your family? One thing I can say is with my oldest, he is about to be nine, so he's very independent, but I feel like he was forced to be independent because I was having another baby. He was a lot older. I was going to need help, and I was getting back on my medication, so I was trying to get stable. Any little help with him, I was taking, and I probably put a lot of pressure on him, but my youngest she's just very attached to me like at the hip and she's like the complete opposite she's very dependent she also doesn't like to be alone so I don't know if it's because we don't have family here or what but when the first one was born and then the second was born what was the biggest what was the biggest difference between like when they first came and like how you were feeling and how you handled those first few months, what was the difference? Was it like a big difference in how you handled the first one versus the second one? Oh, for sure. I had a bigger support system with the first one than the second one. I wasn't diagnosed with my first, 
So I don't know if I didn't have it at that time or if I was just able to just handle it better because I was younger. But with my daughter, I already knew what I had and was battling with that and trying to get back on meds. And I had postpartum with both, but with my son, I got over it, like, just with time. With my daughter, like, I had to be put on medication for it. Okay. You want to talk about, like, the pregnancy? What was How did it affect your first, uh, your son, whenever you were pregnant with your daughter? Like, how was he affected? I don't know. Me and my baby daddy was beefing. So I just had so much, and I think I was manic during my pregnancy. I was depressed and manic. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to explain it. But, like, I was just on the go. Like, I just wanted to just be out and about, and I just had all this energy. And I was always tired, but I could never sleep because I couldn't get comfortable. So I would just hang out with my best friend who happened to be pregnant at the same time as me. Did you notice... Alex Xavier, like the relationship you guys had before you got pregnant versus when you did get pregnant, did any did that dynamic change or did you see any changes in him? I know he was really young, but I'm just wondering, did that affect him? He actually asked for a baby sister for three years. He was actually excited. And even now he like he likes being a big brother. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I know. He's the best big brother ever. Okay, so Rhiannon, you can you tell me the differences in both pregnancies, if there was any effects on the first one when the second one came, and how did he feel? So whenever I got pregnant, he my son was not happy, like, at all. He was, like, during, like, later in the pregnancy, he would put his hand on my belly and be, like, excited. But at first, he was like, I want to be big brother. But mostly, I feel like the biggest difference was just like that I couldn't play with him he was so little he was only two so I feel like that's a prime age when they really want mommy's attention and you didn't want to play and they have all this energy and I couldn't play with him because I was pregnant even then I would used to like I remember being like five months pregnant and like climbing things all the time and like I used to I carried him up the stairs in my house like every day up until the day I was due like, even though I was pregnant, I used to carry him still because, like, he's my little baby. But it was really hard on me during the pregnancy. And it got worse after. But during the pregnancy, it was just, like, really hard to pay attention to him. And it ended up being, like, that's when he got hooked on YouTube because I used to just hand him the phone and be here's the phone because I can't handle giving you attention. And at two years old, that's really little. And I just, I don't know, I really, I have a lot of guilt about that. I wish I had waited longer and I really miss my relationship with my son and how good it was and how close we were whenever he was a baby and whenever he was like two. But like, I love my daughter, but I really miss that like dynamic. I feel like we're not nearly as close as we used to be. I want to cry. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. See, you guys, this is why I didn't have any more kids because I would be worse off than both of you. I would, I love my son. No, but we both have a 
boy and then a girl so it's like you love them both the same but different yeah I tell my kids all the time and because I don't want to ever make them feel like I'm choosing one or the other I'm always like you're my favorite little boy and you're my favorite little girl because I don't want them to ever feel like I love one more than the other because he's my favorite little boy and she's my favorite little girl there's no comparison between them they're just my kids that I love so much all right so we're gonna go ahead and get into our next topic postpartum depression I'm gonna read you guys some facts that we found because facts are important and for anyone who doesn't know what postpartum depression is I'm gonna tell you So according to WebMD, into the DSM-5, a manual used to diagnose mental disorders, BD is a form of major depression that begins within four weeks after delivery. The diagnosis of postpartum depression is based not only on the length of time between delivery and onset, but on the severity of the depression. One in 10 of mothers who experience baby blues will develop PD. One in seven women have postpartum. One in 1,000 will experience postpartum psychosis. Half of PD cases go undiagnosed because mothers feel ashamed and fear abandonment if they disclose how they feel. Some symptoms of PD are feeling like you're not bonding with the baby or lack of interest, crying for no reason, severe anger, loss of pleasure, and thoughts of hurting others. Some causes of it are history of depression, the age that you are during pregnancy, older women are at higher risk, having prior children, mood disorders, or family history of mood disorders, for example, bipolar, stressful events, having a child with health issues, birthing twins or triplets, History of premenstrual dysphoric disorder, limited social support, living alone, or marital conflict. So you guys now know what postpartum depression is, according to WebMD. D, I want to ask you about your experience with postpartum depression. And you don't have to really touch on the first pregnancy because that was nine years ago. So let's talk about your most recent one and what you're comfortable sharing about your struggles with that after she was born. Oh, after she was born, I would have moments where I was like, yo, was this really the right decision? Should I have gotten an abortion? You know, she's here now. What about adoption? you know, what, what am I going to do? Like, I'm trying to get myself better and I don't have time to get myself better, but I have to make time to get myself better for these two human beings. So I didn't find out I had postpartum until she was a year and some change. I didn't know that it can actually last up to three years, I think, or might even be longer, but it can last a while. I did not know that. So I would like, I loved her, but it was like, I felt like, even though I was able to breastfeed and able to do things that I wasn't with my first, I just didn't feel connected to her the way I felt connected to my son. But I had a bigger support system with him. As far as what came with that depression, 
Was there a change? I know the answer to this, but I want you to tell the audience. Was there a change in the amount of support you had from first pregnancy to second pregnancy? One thing that changed from being pregnant with my son versus my daughter was my support system. All my family like moved away and then the family that was here, for whatever reason, they felt some type of way about me, about my daughter. I don't know, but they just stopped being involved in our lives. And so it's pretty much just me and my kids. I think that had I think that had a lot to do with it too. I remember you had so much support for the first one. He included until I moved. Yeah. Okay. Rhiannon, let me change the subject before I get emotional. Rhiannon, tell us about your postpartum experience and if you had any and if it, if you did, what did that look like? Yeah, with my first, it was, with Aiden, it was, like, my mom didn't believe me. She thought it was, like, oh, it's, like, because you're a teenager and it's a big lifestyle change. And, like, from being a spoiled teenager to being a mom. And that's right, but I'm, like, I can... How old were you with the first one? 18. Oh, I couldn't remember. Okay. Yeah, I was 18. Going from, like, a spoiled teenager to being a mom it's like a big change so that's what she was like pinning it on just like the that but I'm like I'm sure that I could probably trigger something but like it's a big lifestyle change like from doing whatever I want to changing diapers at 10 o'clock in the morning and breastfeeding and all of that it was a big change with my second I think the postpartum was so much worse the whole pregnancy part I was like feeling like I wasn't going to connect to my daughter because I missed my son. I was worried about my son and I's like relationship. And then after she was born, I did connect to her. But then I used to snap on my son all the time. I was so snappy and irritable. And like, I used to like, if he got too close to her, then I'd scream at him and be like, so I feel like some of the resentment he has towards his sister is my fault because I used to like, snapping him like he's only three years old what did I expect like how can I not expect him to do stuff and it wasn't even like it was like one time like he accidentally put a blanket on her and it accidentally went over her face and before he could even have a chance to move the blanket off her face I was already yelling at him over it like a little shit that it's not gonna hurt her for two seconds there's a blanket on her face she'll be fine and he's gonna move it anyways and it's just like, I feel so bad. And that, that part really strained our relationship was just me being so angry and snappy at him. And then at the time, my I was living with my mom and my stepdad and they were fighting a lot. So like, I was always put in the middle of it. And I, I had a lot of guilt and they had bought a big house, a huge house. And they, were, they bought it because I was living with them with two kids. So I had a lot of guilt about that. Like, holy shit, they bought a huge ass house that they don't need because of me. And then now like they're fighting and I feel like it's my fault. So like, it was a lot of like guilt, a lot of me being snappy at my son, a lot of change, the change from one child to two is a big change. Like I had to be sure to give two kids my attention because my son wanted attention and I had to 
at the same time, I had to breastfeed and change her diaper and make sure he wasn't putting his fingers in sockets and stuff like that. So it was just, it was a, it was, it's such a shock to me. I hated it. I hated the postpartum with my daughter and I regret a lot of the things I did and said during that time. Yeah, it was rough. I was just going to ask you that how far apart are your kids? Yeah, they're three years apart. So my son was close to three, like a month away from turning three whenever she was born. So but they're like their birthdays are a month Because my kids are like almost six years apart. So when my daughter was born, my son was starting kindergarten and I had to get up in the morning, no matter what, how tired I was or when I went to sleep to get him ready for school and take him to the bus because the bus was in the front of the neighborhood. And I was not walking with a newborn all the way out there. Hard, like having to wake up, especially when you have a baby and you like you're not sleeping in the middle of the night because of the baby. That's hard. That's really hard. And I, I understand because my son used to wake up at the crack of dawn whenever I was whenever I had my baby. So like I was also staying up all night and then he would wake me up and he was relentless with it like he was like I need to play with you and jump around the bed and like fully on me and he was also really jealous of my daughter breastfeeding because I had breastfed him up until I was pregnant he was two years old when I started breastfeeding him so he was the baby until he wasn't the baby so I feel like that was also a big change for him and I feel like he resents his little sister because of that there's a lot of resentment between him and his sister and they fight a lot and they always want to fight over my attention and it it breaks my heart because I love them both the same and so much it's just it's hard being a mom of two okay so Kat tell me your postpartum how did that affect your kid I feel like it didn't really have an effect on him because my postpartum it's so hard to explain to me. A lot of crying. That's like most of my postpartum. I would say I was very like manic. I was very like up and down throughout my entire pregnancy. But once I had him, I was very calm. I felt centered. I felt calm because I saw this tiny human being that I needed to protect and I need to keep him in this bubble. But I also still had so many emotions and the only way I could express it was through crying. Crying all the freaking time. I would just be looking at him and then I'd be crying. And I spent so much time alone. I didn't get very much time with him. Like I didn't get to stay home very long with him. I think I went back to work when he was three months old. And I want to say for those first two, three months, I lived with my baby daddy's mother and his stepfather and they worked during the day so I was home all the time by myself I woke up with him no one helped me like his father never came to spend the night or that to, to help me with night feed so I was like alone with this baby from the time I woke up to the time he woke up to the time he went to bed and I was just very alone and he like I think he came to see, after we got to the hospital, his father came to see him like one time. And then I didn't see him for a month and a half, maybe two months. 
And I spent so much time alone and I felt so like sad and I would cry over everything. I didn't know this was a thing until Jeannie Ma, I didn't recognize it as this, but the, I don't know if you guys watched The Real or used to watch The Real. It's not on anymore. But Jeannie Ma, she's a host and I heard her talk about how she developed postpartum anxiety. And I definitely had that because when I went back to work, I just thought that 24 seven in my mind, like something's gonna happen to him. Like his father is not gonna watch him because his father would watch him sometimes when I would work or his grandmother would watch him. And I worked myself up into tears about things that didn't even happen. And then I had such bad as separation, like being separated from him. I feel like that separation anxiety was just because I just wanted to protect him so much and going to work and not being with him, but I was pumping, you know what I mean? Like during work hours, I'd go to the bathroom, disgusting bathroom and I'd pump. And it was just like, it was really hard for me. Like the first few months it was depression because I was alone and I had no support, not even from his father. And then it turned into anxiety once I had to be forced to go back to work because no one supported me. Like I had to support myself and him. And I know I, it was so bad and I felt so guilty that I remember this always sits with me. I remember, I think he was like six months old when this happened. And I remember working all day and I used to work till 7 PM. And I remember it was a Friday and his grandmother was watching him and I was so excited to come home to him and just I love my baby I hated going to work like I only hated it because I didn't want to be away from him and I remember just driving home as I do so excited to see him and when I get home there's nobody home and my heart just starts like pounding like just hurting pounding like I was gonna have a fucking panic attack because I didn't see anyone's car in the driveway and I'm like where's my baby? Like, where's my baby? Oh my God. So I get in the house, like very frantic, like looking around, like looking in every room, they're not home. I'm like calling his grandmother. She's not answering. And she sends me a text. Oh, we wanted to catch a movie, but it started before you got off work. So we brought him with us to the movies. And I laid in my bed and I cried and I just cried. And I cried because I was like, I haven't seen him all day. And now I'm not going to see him until 9 or 10 PM. Like for me, It was just sad for me. I think it got better probably like around one. I'll say the anxiety never went away. I can't really call it postpartum anxiety anymore because he's five years old, but it definitely developed and was born. That anxiety was born in me once he came out of my womb because it was like a piece of me outside of my body and I like didn't have full control to protect him. And even to this day, like I don't feel comfortable leaving him with anyone. I'm constantly paranoid that someone's gonna hurt him, even someone that logically wouldn't make any sense for them to hurt him. I didn't wanna send him to school. Like I wanted to homeschool him, even though I know that wouldn't be good for my health or mental health or his, but so much because I wanna protect him so much, like, I had to literally convince myself and talk myself into allowing him to start kindergarten in, in like a school. I had an hour long conversation with the police officer at the school, probably asked like the same amount of questions multiple times to him. 
like just to ease my mind like about him being safe and being okay to go to school I would say I had postpartum depression but I had also I think more of it was postpartum anxiety it was really hard so. I would say but like the anxiety like I understand because I also like I said I used to be really anxious about like my ex being around him but I was scared I was paranoid that he was gonna hurt the baby or kidnap the baby and kids literally slept with me up until a few months ago. So my kid was like eight and my daughter's five. So they slept with me for like literally eight years, both of them in my bed. <laughs> so like we, we all have like separation, just stuff. Mine is five and he still sleeps with me. Yeah. Like they both, like my son will cry still. I have to put like a sleeping meditation for him. Mine is about to be nine and he still wants to. They just love their mommy. It's very amazing. So nothing wrong with that. But I feel like they're definitely like anxious. Like we're, they're equally anxious about being away from us as we are away from them. Because I, I still get worried about like things happening to them. And I think that part's just like a mom thing. Just being worried. But I think the anxious, like the part that's like dangerous is that you're right. Like these people wouldn't normally hurt the kids. Like these are not people that would hurt them. We're just paranoid. I wanted to say you said it's like a normal mom thing, but I know so many mothers and I like in my family and just in general, like the level of fear and anxiety I have, I don't see that with anyone else. You know what I mean? And like it's sometimes can be very debilitating and the paranoia has caused a lot of problems in my life like family members are like looking at me like why would you think I would hurt him they take it so personal and they think it's like something I feel against them you know what I mean it's just it's so hard to put into words and it's so hard to explain to someone like I don't trust you but it's not you it's me you know what I mean like I've I went through so much, I feel I went through so much trauma as a child that even though the situations are not the same in my son with the people that are in his life, the situations are completely different. Somehow that manifests inside me, inside of me. And I just, it's uncontrollable fear, uncontrollable paranoia. Like these people hurt me in private. Like, all they needed was a blanket. All they needed was a closed door. So that's all these people need, too, to hurt my son. So it's it's sometimes, like, I, I just sometimes I feel like I protect him from things that are not even there. Yeah, no, I understand. Like, my mom has drilled into my head so much about, like, murderers and kidnappers. And Facebook has also shown me that, like, people don't care anymore about where they're going to hurt your kid. They could be, like, right in front of you. They don't care. And so I don't let my kids be alone with anyone but my mom because I know that she would never intentionally hurt them. She might like mildly traumatize them, but for like other reasons, <laughs> but she's not going to like intentionally hurt them. Like she has the best interest in heart. Like she gives them their, their medicine. She makes sure that they're clean. She makes sure that they're fed. She makes sure that they're good. Like she would never hurt them. I trust her. But as far as like, even my dad, I don't trust him alone with my kids because he just does not have the common sense sometimes. Like he'll put them in a dangerous situation on accident 
not realizing that it's a dangerous act, but it's just like common sense and there's just things that are dangerous out there. I can relate to that so much. I had this one time where I put him in the cart one time and I was like in Walmart. Like I haven't been to Walmart in years, probably because of the situation. I go to Publix now or Winn-Dixie or Target. Target Queen. I put him in the cart. I'm trucking along. I'm trucking along. I don't know if Christian was with me or not. But this old man like walks by and says something. It was such a long time ago. I can't remember. But I remember him like, I don't know if he was like, try to pinch his cheek or tickle him but I was like what the f-? I was like if you don't pick the fuck off my child like why are you touching my child but like I wanted to be nice almost so I didn't really do it in that manner but the reaction inside of me was like you're on some creepy stuff when he could have just been like kind or maybe he's just a sweet old man but my first instinct was like don't fucking touch my child you probably stick in the head get out of here you know what I mean and sometimes I get, I've gotten, like, bad vibes from people, just, like, in stores. I'm, like, I'll walk by and, like, bad vibes, and I would, like, pull my kids away from where we are and just go to a different line or go somewhere else. I've literally had people, like, at Walmart walk me out because I just got a bad vibe from someone. And I'm, like, I am not walking out with them alone. Like, I've had, there was one time with a black truck, and, like, these guys have been following me around Walmart, and... They were in a black truck parked like a few cars down away from mine. And I had to have people walk me out because of how creepy they made me feel. And it was terrifying. I don't think I had the kids at this time, but it was scary. People are sick. So paranoid or not, sometimes the shit you be feeling is real. And that's another thing, too, is like because of my anxiety and because of my like insecurities and like my first instinct not to trust myself it makes me second guess every thought and every feeling that I have you know what I mean I'm like every time I feel something I'm like no I'm just it's just the anxiety or it's just the but sometimes like you have to trust yourself and you have to be like yes I do have anxiety yes I can be a little over the top but at the end of the day this is going to protect me this is going to protect my child and you have to trust yourself to a certain extent as long as it's like not over the top and completely like beyond the scope of what's going on, like over the top, okay, then we can say, okay, let's calm down a little bit. But I don't know. I've learned, I'm trying to learn the balance of anxiety that's protecting and anxiety that's like affecting my life in a negative way. So it's a struggle. It's a big struggle. It's a huge struggle. Oh, oh Lord. I was wondering if you have like extreme paranoia or mom anxiety around your kids no the only thing that like I struggle with is I'm a stay-at-home mom and so my daughter is attached to my hip I can't go to the bathroom I can't shower or she'll try to break the door down like she can't sit next to me she has to sit on top of me and so that gives me anxiety because I am a human being and I can get overstimulated just like a child. And so that is like the biggest thing I have. And then, of course, Bill's adulting 101. Uh, I feel you so much on being like touched out with kids, like them being all over you. Like my daughter is the same way. Like she wants to be on top of me and she'll literally get in my face 
like here while I'm working and she'll land in my lap and be like give me attention give me attention I'm like girl like give me some space like sometimes I like hide from them because it gets to be so much like I've been dying for a break there my kids are with their dad this weekend so I'm like oh thank god my daughter ever and she's three I have never had a break from Aiden I'll say one time and it was a forced break because I am so anxious to leave him with anybody and I had anxiety attacks and panic attacks the entire weekend that he was away from me I know it's unhealthy I need to I need a break but my anxiety doesn't let me get breaks (laughs) so he's with me all the time all the fucking time yeah whenever my kid's dad used to get when they first started getting involved I had to be there because I was so terrified that he was going to just run off at them and stuff. And like, his dad might not be the best person, but like, I know he would never intentionally hurt them, like in a mean way or put them in a dangerous situation. We're proud of you. I'm, thank you for sharing all of your stuff. It's not easy to. Okay, y'all. So that was the episode of The Mental Moms. And I hope you liked our talk about postpartum depression and getting our tubes tied. And I hope y'all liked meeting Delilah. I'm so happy that she got to be here. They got to meet her. Thank you to my beautiful cousin for joining us, gracing us, and talking about your experience. I want to remind everyone the reason we do this, the reason we talk about these things is so other women, other moms can not feel alone. So that's what we're here to do thank you guys for tuning in don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram and tiktok we're at the mental moms podcast bye y'all bye bye